I remember my very first experience uh, with Calvary. It was in 2007. I was 24 years old. I was a senior at Lincoln Christian College, and in order to be able to graduate, I had to do something called a pastoral internship, and that had to be for a semester long. Now, from the very beginning of my time at Lincoln, I knew for sure where I was going to do that internship. My first mentor, a man named John Wentz, worked with college students at a large church in Cincinnati, and I was sure that that's what I wanted to do as well. Now, the administration at school, they would always tell us to make a second plan and a third plan, right? A, a second and a third option, just in case, for some reason, the first one doesn't work out. Well, especially at that time, I was both an optimist and a procrastinator, and so I stuck with having one choice planned, being so sure it would work. Then one day, a week before our internship mentor had to confirm us for our internship, John called me and let me know that he was moving. He was going to be do, taking on a new ministry in a different town, and he would not actually be able to in, be my, my mentor. And he said, you're going to have to go with your second choice. Oh. So my roommate at school was a, a young man named Josh Lehman, and a very good friend of ours named Sonny Clark. The three of us were very close. Josh had interned at Calvary and had a wonderful experience and had actually been hired on as the associate pastor. Sonny was going to come as an intern, and so I reached out to see if it was possible that I could do the same. I was able to, to come up and, and meet with Pastor Dave, and he agreed to take me on as an intern way back in 2007. We used to joke, the three of us, that the, the, the only reason we were accepted is because the first one of us to come was Josh, because he was the well-behaved one. But uh, uh, it turned out to be a very positive experience for all three of us. I confess, though, that when I drove up that first time to meet with Pastor Dave, and then again on that first Sunday morning, I was not very hopeful. I'd been involved with large churches in the past, and I had in mind that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be part of work in a large church. About 500 people or more was my hope. You know, just not too big, but, but 500 or more. So I admit to you, shamefully, that I came to Calvary with low expectations. I'd never been part of a small church before, and I had some ideas that weren't, weren't informed about what a small church was like. And I was very, very wrong, and I was very, very blown away. It was on my first Sunday here that I realized that Calvary is very special. After service, I was surprised to see that everyone just sort of stayed. It was a very strange thing in the hallways, in the sanctuary, in the basement. Everyone just kind of stayed and talked with one another. And it, it, it was this odd thing because you could tell just from, as an outsider looking in, these people really like each other. They, spent, they want to spend time. They just did church together and no one is rushing out the door. I'd never seen anything like that before. And after a few weeks, I got to know several people here. And, and I realized that, that the, the feeling I was having, this joy and this excitement and this connection I was feeling to the church 
was because I was being welcomed into a family. And over the course of the next year or so, I began to care very deeply and feel very connected to this church. And that was so much so that in 2009, when I was working at a large church in Springfield, I I felt unsettled. Lisa and I were not happy with where we were, and so I I called up several of my dear friends to ask them to pray for me, and Sonny and I met for lunch, and and I just told him, you know, Sonny, I think Calvary ruined me. I said, I don't want to be part of an organization. I want to be part of a family. And I asked him to pray to see if, if perhaps there was a church like Calvary that I could be part of. And I remember him kind of getting a half smile like Sonny used to do and saying, well, there's a church that's a lot like Calvary you might be able to find a home in. And the rest is history. I was able to come back on January 1st of 2010 and have been very, very blessed ever since. I wanted to share that because I want to talk about a few things this morning. I want to talk about Calvary's future, a future that's only possible because God is good and because his spirit is present in a powerful and unique way at Calvary. Now, I told you, if anyone remembers, way back at the annual meeting earlier this year, that the deacons and and pastors were working on articulating a clear vision for Calvary moving forward. And that we'd share it this year. Well, we're right under the gun. But I think that it's very appropriate to talk about our vision and our future today. The end of the year is a good time to be thinking about the next and about the future. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to talk to you about what we are, what Calvary is. And I want to talk about what we're becoming and what we're going to do. And I want you to know that I am very, very excited for what's coming. So I want to start with our new vision statement. Now, for those who who aren't familiar with what a vision statement is, that's okay. Nobody else really is either. If If you look for a series of definitions, I actually learned this in this process. If you look for a definition for a vision statement, you find a different definition everywhere you go. But here's what we wanted to do. The deacons and Pastor Ben and I, we wanted to to set down three things. A a single statement that shared three things. Our identity, who we are as a body. Our values, what is important to us. And our future, what are we going to do? And we wanted to do all that. And we wanted to do that very clearly and concisely. In a single sentence that you could learn by heart. That's, that sounds easy, right? There's not too much there. Well, the, actually, it was very difficult, but we were glad for it. But, but to do this, that means that we would have to use the very pregnant language, words that were full of meaning that we need to spend time unpacking. But they were words that rang true for Calvary that would be able to commit to our heart and remember. Words that that describe, really describe our identity, our values, and our plans for the future. And I think we've done that. You're going to be hearing this statement a lot. We'll be referencing it in sermons and in Sunday school. In the new Calvary newsletter, we'll have it on our website. And it's my hope that all of us will come to know it by heart very soon. There will be a test at some point. It'll probably be a pop quiz. Now, please hear me. 
Not everything that's important to Calvary is in the statement. So when you see it, I don't want you to think, why isn't that there? Because not everything can be in the statement. It's a vision statement, and it needs to be brief, and it needs to describe what is distinct about us, and I think that it does that. Now, as you're reading it, you may not think it sounds very unique to Calvary. And you're not wrong, but while every church should be able to say amen to this, it touches on our distinctives very well. Ms. Janet, can you go ahead and give us the next slide? Calvary is a family of God's people being formed by the gospel of Christ to love and serve our community. If you're a note taker, I recommend writing that down. Like I said, you're going to be seeing it a lot. Calvary is a family of God's people being formed by the gospel of Christ to love and to serve our community. So what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and I want to break down each piece of this. And I want to look at some scriptures that, that sort of flush them out a little bit. So the first part, Calvary is a family of God's people. A family of God's people. The passage that comes to mind for me is 1 John chapter 1, verse 3. It reads this way. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. I love 1 John, and I love this verse very much. We talked about it a lot with youth group because of that word, fellowship. There's a key word in this verse, and it's that one. It's fellowship. If you have your own Bible and you take notes in it, I would circle that word fellowship. It shows up twice in 1 John 1.3. In the Bible, fellowship is a big deal. It means that you participate in one another's lives, that you will love and encourage and share with one another. It's the difference between knowing someone and really knowing them. Fellowship isn't just something that happens for a few minutes on Sunday morning, and that's not what happens at Calvary. That's not the extent of our fellowship. Those times on Sunday morning are a, a bubbling up or spilling over of the, the, the truth of the fellowship in this community. It's deeper than that. Now, fellowship is here twice, and it describes two outcomes that the Apostle John hopes come from sharing the gospel. First, he says that you may have fellowship with us. So we, we proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. That word fellowship is another word koinonia. It's the Greek word behind it. We use that as the youth group name and for a reason. Way back in 2010, one of the things we were hoping to see with the youth group was to take a group that had a lot of cliques and move into a group that was cohesive, where there, there, weren't, there weren't kids that sat at one, with one group and kids that sat with another. We wanted to become a family. The great thing about Calvary is that we don't really have that problem in the bigger part of the church. It's there a little bit, and of course it is, and it will be, and that's okay. 
But it's not, it's not something I want to move us to. It's descriptive of who we are. We are a fellowship. We are a family. You can see it every year when we go to the relief sale. And we have people that show up extraordinarily early. Just, just silly early. Like really silly early. I think 2 a.m. is the first arrival or something like that. By the way, if you're the one who volunteers for that... Bless you. Very glad that you do, so no one looks at me and expects me to. But, but year after year after year, we show up and we work together. And it's, some of the work is gross. It's, it's just cumbersome and it's difficult and it's exhausting and it's long. And people are smiling and glad to be there and talking and fellowshipping. It's a special thing. It's a strength that we have at Calvary. It's something that Lisa and I have been very blessed by, and it's one of the main reasons that visitors who come to our church stay around. As Lisa and I have gone through hard times, it has been just overwhelming the amount of support and encouragement that's available, as much as we want it to be. And it's not just true for us. Over and over again, I hear from you that that's the strength of our church, that you feel supported. By the way, I do want to say, if you don't feel supported, come and talk to me. I'd love to, I'd love to see how we can connect you with people that can help you. But Calvary is and wants to become more like a family. And then the Apostle John does something else that's just really interesting. He, he connects the fellowship of the church to our fellowship with God. It's interesting because God is a fellowship. He's three and one. He's unity and diversity. He's one God in three persons. Now, I know how much everyone just loves it so much when we start talking about the Trinity, that, that simple thing that's easy to understand and perfectly applicable to every part of our lives. Not really. That, that may not have sounded like a joke because I was talking about the Trinity, but I promise you're not expected to be excited about it. But I want you to know this, God's fellowship is perfect. It's perfect. And the fellowship that we're called to is a reflection. It's an act of worship. We worship God. We worship the Trinity when we fellowship together. We reflect him to one another and to the world. And this happens on an individual level. And with Calvary as a whole, as a family, we're called to have fellowship with God. And that phrase, that idea, that's one of my favorite ways that the Bible describes salvation is fellowship with God. Here's what that means. It means that faith can't just be thought. It can't just be a mental belief. It has to be lived. It has to be experienced. You can't know Christ just by hearing about him. You have to get inside the faith. You have to become part of it. David says it this way in Psalm 34. He says, you have to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's participation. It's intimate. It's fellowship. 
The next part of the, the vision statement is this. We're being formed by the gospel of Christ. Now, I'm not going to try to fully unpack that because it's unbelievably dense. There is a lot there. I just want to say this. I want to say that we believe that Jesus Christ is king. He is God, the son born as a baby, and that it's through his coming, his life, his death, and his resurrection that God is redeeming the world. And we believe that we get to join him in that rescue mission when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And we believe that acceptance, that acceptance of him as Lord and Savior is just the beginning. The gospel requires a response, but we're formed by the gospel. So when we, we take that step, when we accept Christ as Lord and Savior, we step inside of a faith that is, is full of grace and richness and an unending ability to grow because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And once we step in, we are forgiven. We're in the family. We're redeemed. But then comes the change. And you know what I'm talking about, don't you? If you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you know that you're different now than you were before. I want to tell you, if you don't feel like you're different now, you should ask the people around you. And if they feel like you're not more like Jesus now than you were before, then come and talk to us. We, want to, we would love to find out what's going on there. Because the Holy Spirit transforms and changes us to become more like Him. That's what, that's what being formed by the gospel means. To become more like Jesus. And here's the verse I'd like to share. It's Philippians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6. In all my prayers for all of you, this is the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The key word, at least for, for our purposes this morning in, in this passage, is partnership. You see, we're called to partner with each other, right? That's that, that family aspect we talked about, but it's about empowering and working together. Not feeling a need to, to be on the outside, but also not feeling a need to do everything on your own. To be willing to rely on one another. So many times we're so willing to help others when they have needs. We, we, we tell them there's no reason for you to feel shy or ashamed or embarrassed. When you have a need, just be open and then we have a need. And the same people who so passionately say and mean, just be open, just tell us, find it very, very difficult to do the same themselves. There was a few years, I didn't ask her permission, so hopefully Lisa will forgive me for sharing this. There were a few years ago when we had several things happen at once. Within about one month, we lost both cars and we had our washer and dryer, just a lot of things go. And I remember sitting in the deacon meeting thinking, I have to ask for help. I wish, I just wish anyone else was here asking for help in this moment because it's so difficult to do. Maybe you can resonate with that. 
You'll go a mile to help anyone else, but have a hard time asking for it yourself. Partnering in the gospel means that we allow others to fulfill their role and their calling by helping us too. We do our part and we let them do theirs. We partner with each other. And then there's this, we also partner with God. Because you see, he, he, he gives us his Holy Spirit. And as we live this life as believers, the Holy Spirit has this power to change and transform us so that we leave behind the, 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 the sin nature that we had before, these sinful tendencies, these things in us that don't honor God, and we become more like Jesus, more like our, our, our true intended selves. That change happens and we become who God wants us to be. But here's the thing. You have to partner. You have to cooperate. You have to do things too. You have to allow yourself to be convicted and repent when it's time to repent. When the Holy Spirit provides you an opportunity and ability to serve, you need to serve. Whatever that looks like for you, we have to partner with God. And when we do, we will be continually formed by the gospel. I said earlier that this is a description of our values at Calvary, and it absolutely is. Here's what that means. Being formed by the gospel is something that we do together, and we do it individually. So that means we need to commit. We need to commit as a body and as individuals to not taking one step into the faith and then stopping. You this morning, you need to commit to not take just one step in and stop. You need to be ready to jump in wholeheartedly, to be all in, to be ready to be changed. It means that we want to be changed, to be transformed, to be more like him, more who we're meant to be. And that's part of the good news, because by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can be changed. I want to give you two short examples. One, we come on Sunday morning and worship together. I've been asked sometimes, why do we have to do that? I'm a Christian, I just don't go to church. I find that a little unusual for me. Because as I look through scripture over and over again, I see a story of people coming together to worship God as a body. There's something about being part of the family, being part of a unit, of, of adding our gifts and our strengths, but also being willing to be changed and spoken into in our areas of weakness and ignorance. It's so important that we do this together. Another thing, we mentioned the Bible reading plans earlier. It's a wonderful thing if the church were to, to jump onto a Bible reading plan together, to be reading scripture together, to be sharing about devotions, and to be doing those at the same time, through the same passages, thinking about the same things. It's individual, and it's together. I just really want to encourage you to take a step and do that. So that's who we are. Right? We're a family of God's people. It's what we value, being formed by the gospel. And so that leads us to our future. The last piece of this is we will love and serve our community. Now, I don't want you to think that this is, I'm saying this is new. It's not like Calvary has not had a, a history 
of service. We absolutely have. What we're doing now is we're recognizing that these are our gifts. The passage that comes to mind for me most is this one. Hebrews 13, 16 says, Do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. God wants to use us as his hands and feet to love one another and to love those around us. Calvary is committed to living out the gospel by sharing it through our words as well as our actions. We share it. That's the key word here in Hebrews. Sharing is, is, is one of those really strange virtues in our culture because we teach it to kids, don't we? We all see two kids playing with a toy. One wants the toy and won't give it up, and we know that's wrong, and so we teach them to share. And I have a theory, actually, about sharing. I have this theory that kids get so angry at having to give up their things all the time, they, they just hold on to that bitterness and resentment, and they don't ever release it until they get driver's licenses, and all of us adults know that's true. Because if you think that adults still remember how to share, I encourage you to drive into Peoria at 5 o'clock, in the, after, in the evening, and attempt to share a lane with someone. If they roll down the window to say something, it probably won't be, I love sharing. <laughs> well, anyway, the author of Hebrews says this, don't forget to do good and to share. That's another way of saying love and serve. So I want to take a moment and tell you what it's going to look like in 2019, what it's going to look like next year. The first couple of, of messages of the year are going to be about spiritual gifts. And one of the reasons for that is our, in, our, our survey that we took recently told us that we have people that feel like they're serving in areas that they're gifted. But, but if they had to say, they don't know how to describe their gifts or what gifts they have. So we're going to, we're going to talk about it. We're going to teach about it. But also we're going to have an opportunity for you to take an inventory that will help you discover your gifts. Now, some of you think, that's great, that's exciting. And some of you think, if he asked me to take one more thing. But here's the thing. In my experience, most people who don't know what their gifts are, don't know that they don't know what their gifts are. Most people that are in that place think that they are actually very aware, and they're wrong. They're missing something. So when we, when we get there, it'll be a month or so from now, take that with us. Help us figure out what strengths we have at Calvary. Help yourself discover what ways of service you're equipped for and will be most fulfilling for you. So we're going to be doing spiritual gifts and inventories. We're going to be talking about, teaching about them and, and discovering them because we want to put them to use. And then the next, we have a, a series coming that we don't have a name for. Uh, Pastor Ben and I, we've had the idea, we haven't had a lot of time together to discover a name, so I called it Eating and Serving for today. And the plan is going to be something like capitalizing on our value as a body of sharing food together. First of all, food is what we are very, very good at. I was skinny before I came to Calvary, so that's on you. But it's something that we do, all of us, anyway, right? We all eat. And a lot of us eat together as families. We want to lean into that, and we want to use that to impact our community. Pastor Ben is going to be sharing in a few weeks what that's going to look like. And I just want to tell you, I think that we have an opportunity to really 
be stretched and impact our community by eating and serving them. Not eating and serving them. Eating with them and serving them. We'll edit that out in the recording, right? That didn't sound good. By eating together and serving. Yeah. Because we, uh, uh, I think that this is a, a thing that we do, uh, we do a lot, right? Calvary has meals. We do, we do funeral dinners. We do potlucks. We do breakfast potlucks. And we do it well. And that, that, that feeling of fellowship is present when we come together over food. And so I want us to do it on purpose, to reach out. And I think that what we're going to find is if we lean into this, this community, this fellowship that we have, and we use it to reach our, our loved ones, our acquaintances, our coworkers and neighbors, we're going to see that this church is going to be able to have an impact that we would have never expected. I think we're going to be encouraged. I think that our faith is going to be quickened. And we're going to be excited about what we see God doing through this body and its strengths by the power of his spirit, not just this coming year, but for many, many years to come. You know, it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to think about the, the difference between a time before and today. Sometimes it's very, very good when we think about telephones or televisions or cars or computers. There's so much progress and, and good that's happened. For Calvary, though, we look at that picture that hangs on the wall out here in the hallway. Do you know which one I'm talking about? And, and the pews are full, packed full. There's standing room in back, and you have the feeling that not everyone could get in. And my gosh, it was before they had air conditioning. I cannot imagine how hot it must have been. And we think about the past and we wonder what, what we've lost. Will we ever recover it? Now, I don't know what's in the future. But I firmly believe that Calvary has a bright and vibrant future before it. I believe that God wants to use us to do incredible things in the lives of people in our community, in the lives of people overseas as we participate in missions, and people who have never heard the name Jesus before, in the lives of people who have grown up, churched, and left because they didn't find a real community like they'd hoped to. I think that Calvary has a lot to offer. And God, I think, will use us in powerful and mighty ways. And so I hope that as we go into 2019, you'll share my excitement to be part of a church that's a family of God's people, being formed by the gospel of Christ to love and to serve our community. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings, Lord. We love you and we praise you. In these times, these coming down times after the holidays where many of us are, are sleep deprived and been worn out by, by all the expectations and all the duties and all the traditions. Lord, give us rest and generate within us, Lord, a sense of your plans for the future. Lord, not specifically. It wouldn't be good for us to know exactly what you have in mind. It's important for us to trust, but give us the hope 
that comes with a confidence that you, Lord, are at work. Lord, change us, mold us, use us, and equip us to do the work you've called us to. To take the strengths we have at this church and make them stronger. To use them to reach out to those around us who don't know you. Lord, in the midst of all of it, we pray more than anything else that you would be glorified. That we would honor and reflect you to each other and to the world. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.